It's just amazing to think of the favor that the Father has poured out upon us. From the fullness of his grace, we have received blessing upon blessing. And to think of taking this and expanding into the future and the grace that's going to scar so many lives, from the youngest to the oldest, as we move forward as a movement. And at the same presence that we're experiencing now, others are going to encounter for the first time in a whole new place. And uh, very simply, what I want to do in a moment, and I want to explain what we're about to do, is that we're just going to invite the Lord to come and minister some healing. And the way that I'd like to do that tonight is I'm going to invite you in a moment to give thanks, just as we've been doing all evening. And as we do that, some of you are going to be healed. But the only way you're going to know if you're healed is if you try it out. And the best way to try it out is to try doing something that you couldn't do before, only if it's legal <laughs> and appropriate, but try doing something that you couldn't do before. So we'll give thanks, and then you might want to check if it's your hip, your back, your shoulder, wherever it is, and then uh, we'll try it out, and we'll see just who's been healed in that moment. Should we go for that? Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace. So you can do that African style or quiet, reserved, whatever way it works for you. There you go. And thank you for your favoritism and everything. All that you've done. Your goodness and your grace. Okay. Wonderful. Now, go ahead and try doing something that you couldn't do before. Go ahead and try it out. So you might need to move. And uh, if it is your back, you might need to try bending or your knees or your hips or any of that. We're just going to see we're in his presence and where his presence is, his power is, and he's already moving and ministering. So uh, just go ahead and try it out, wherever you are. And then any difference, improvement or healing, it'll be difficult for me to see. But if you could just either raise your hand or holler. Okay, that sounded <laughs> like someone either tickled you or something happened. <laughs> Where are you? Just, yeah, what happened? Oh, and Jesus conferred on you a beautiful accent. <laughs> yeah, two things in one. One moment. Wonderful. Wonderful. Sorry? Did you have the accent before? He's wondering. Okay, why don't we give thanks for that? A week. Gone. Thank you, Lord. Now go ahead and try that. Go try to do something that you couldn't do before. Bending the knee, back, whatever it is. Neck pain, shoulder pain. Whatever it is, try doing something you couldn't do before. An improvement or healing, just wave or holler. Yeah, what did Jesus do for you? Your hamstring. What was wrong with your hamstring? You injured it a few weeks ago, you can now stretch it. Yeah, wonderful. Isn't that kind? Thank you, Lord. So good. So let's give thanks again, and then we'll try it out again. We'll just do this a couple more times. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your favor, your mercy, God. You meet us again and again. 
Okay, go try it out again. Try doing something that you couldn't do before. Again, only if it's appropriate and legal. Just where you are. Somebody's back condition being healed right now, but you will need to try it out. So, okay, improvement or healing? Yes, what did Jesus do? Oh, hello. Chronic hip prostitus. Wonderful. <laughs> and it's changed. And someone else in that moment when we give thanks. Where are you? Just here. Yes. What did Jesus do? Wow. Good. Back pain for a week. Completely gone. Should we do one more? Thanks. One more time. Yeah. And then go ahead and try it out. Try doing something that you couldn't do before. Try moving that left shoulder and you might just find, you might, much to your surprise, it's completely better. So a couple more. Yeah, what did Jesus do? Elbow. Ah, it's the anointing on the accent. That's what it is. When he said about the elbow, your elbow got better? Wow. How long has that been in pain? Six months. Six months. Wow. That's so cool. A couple others. Left shoulder. Where are you? Yes. Yes. Um, beginning of the week, I could only get my arms there. It's frozen shoulder. And all week, actually, it's been getting higher and higher. I've noticed. Okay. What? Not quite gone. Totally. No, it's not completely gone, is it? But it's shift. Wow. Wow. Wonderful. A couple more. Some, some, some of the, your feet. Yep. Had you had that happening? Um, I've had it for years. 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 Three years. At least ten years. Which is 3,650 days. Yeah. Washed away in moments of grace. Love it. Love it. Uh, One more. Just wave or holler. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. So good. So good. Well, we we could keep doing that for a while, and that that would be wonderful fun. But why don't you grab a seat for a moment? And uh, if it's okay with you tonight, what I'd like to do is uh, communicate for a little while and try to do some interaction around what we do and some engagement in in the area of healing. Could I try something experimental that I've never done anywhere before? Since it's family and there's grace to do that. It is going to be legal and it is going to be appropriate. And 
You won't have to blank the screens or any of that stuff. Uh, what I'd like to do tonight, some of the things that I'm going to say for some of you, maybe for one, maybe for one of you, may shift some of your paradigms. And what I'd like you to do, uh, just a few of you, is when you sense that Jesus has shifted something in your thinking tonight, would you just stand when that happens to you? And uh, if it gets really messy, we'll stop it. But I, I, would, I just want to try something tonight with your permission. Uh, is that okay? Can we do that? So, so if, if during the talk, something happens that creates a paradigm shift for you, that you're thinking, I, I haven't thought of that before, would you stand? Yes, and then we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> well, yes. Go for that. Okay. Matthew 9, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to look at that together. Matthew 9, verses 35 to Matthew 10, verse 14. We'll talk for a few moments about bringing life to our communities and becoming fathers to our city. But we want to pick it up in Matthew 9, verse 35. It begins, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages. And we've said all the way through this week that vision begins in Jesus with a vision of him. It's when we see who he is. When we see the invisible, we begin to do the impossible and we begin to reach the unreachable. It's when we begin to have a fresh vision of Jesus. Jesus reigning in supreme majesty. Jesus in awesome beauty. Jesus in uncontested victory. Jesus alive from the grave and able to bring everything and everyone alive in him. He is indescribable love. And he is irrefutable righteousness. And he is insatiable mercy. And he's irreversible hope. He's eternally, equally, and entirely God. And he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Same beauty, the same authority, the same majesty, the same compassion for the broken and the lost, the same commitment to his people and his word. And this text begins with Jesus. And we need a revelation of Jesus that claims the whole of our lives. We need a revelation of Jesus that's big enough for our cities. Because it's the revelation of him that creates a revolution in us. It's when we begin to see him as he is that we become alive as we are. We begin to understand our own unique design. I don't know if you noticed recently there was a story in the news. I think it was in London of a group of young teenagers. And correct me, uh, those of you who are from London. A group of young teenagers who basically have nowhere to go at night during the night. And they get on buses and they stay on buses overnight. And they just ride them overnight. They have no families, they have no communities, they're homeless. And it was one of the saddest things that I've heard to think of this group completely homeless and marginalized. Homeless on the bus, broken by life. And we see here in this text Jesus going about cities and villages. And the interesting thing is when, I don't know about you, but when I think of Jesus, particularly as a young believer... I, I just never imagined them moving outside of the church. I love uh, David Roos on this. David Roos says, the problem with Jesus is that he's alive. <laughs> I think he's absolutely right. If, if he weren't alive, we would have somewhere that we could go and it would be completely static and we could offer our worship. But the problem with Jesus is that he's alive. And because he's alive, he moves. 
And because he moves, we have to move with him. And we follow him. Now, that would be okay, except he moves to places and among people that I personally don't want to move. But as a follower, it behooves me to move. And Jesus' movement primarily, this is the shocking truth, his movement primarily happens outside the church. As Mike Pilavacci, who did just an incredible job last night, said one time, he said, we've waited for so long for revival in the church, we've missed completely what God has been doing in the world. God has been moving all along in a place that we never expected or anticipated that he would move. And here is Jesus among the people. And it's one thing to have a vision of Jesus, but it's another thing to see what Jesus sees. And of course, as a leader, you're not free to create your own vision. Uh, I don't know if we've said this this week, but I, I want to highlight something just for a moment. Uh, it's not your job to get a vision for your church. He will build his church. So it's really important that you understand, firstly, it's not your church. Yeah. And secondly, that you don't take his job. He will build his church. And when we take his job, what we typically do is we ask him to do our job. And the job that he's given to us is to go into all the nations making disciples. And what we do is we say, we don't really like that job, Jesus. So what we'd like to do, can we build the church and you go bring the lost in? (laughs) Can we reverse this a little bit and change it up? And, And we pray that God will send the lost into the church. And of course, he never will. That's a prayer that God will never answer. Because his intention is to send the church among the lost. That's what he does. He places our lives in vulnerable places so that we can be encompassed by his all-encompassing grace. And so Jesus is among the people and he's teaching and the Bible says that he's healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Someone just in the, uh, this left-hand section there and you've just been healed, but you'll need to stand up and try it out for a moment. So just in this section here. You will need to stand it up to try it out. Yeah, it may not be you. (laughs) That's wonderful. I love that you went for that. That's just wonderful. There is someone in that section. Have a go. Try it out. Going once. Have a go. Twice. Okay, Jesus is going around and he's healing all kinds of disease and sickness among the people. And the Bible says that as he looks, he sees the multitudes and he sees them harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It kind of got me thinking, what would he see today? If he was in our cities, what would he see today? And how would he describe that? And I realized that he probably wouldn't think of, you know, seeing sheep harassed and helpless, but he would probably see children abused and abandoned. He would look and he would see orphans like those young kids on the bus. And he probably, if he were to pray today in our context, he wouldn't pray for laborers for the harvest because that doesn't hugely make much sense to us in the world that we live in. 
But here's what I think he would pray. I think he would say this. Ask the Father to send fathers into the cities. Ask the Father to send fathers into the cities. There are so many who are abused and abandoned, broken and bereaved. And ask the Father to send out people who will represent who he is in the heart of the city. And uh, lest we kind of misunderstand that, we need fathers for the elderly. I love our movement's commitment to the youth, and it's just stunning to me. And my personal highlight of the conference was a couple of nights ago when a 17-year-old stood on the stage. And I know my wife's a worship leader, but he started a cappella. That's so vulnerable, so bold, so risky. And there he was, and the presence of God came. And I love our passion for that. But we have a generation that is getting older and older. And I long for the days when we say, if you're over 50, come to the front. Yes. <laughs> and we begin to commission people into nursing homes where some of them might spend 15 years of their lives and they become fathers and mothers in nursing homes to other broken, lonely people. We begin to recognize that the harvest field is more than the mobile. We begin to release and equip fathers for the elderly, fathers for the lonely, fathers for the weary. Fathers for the artists. We need people in our city who begin to create a life-giving culture where artists can thrive, where they can come alive. Aren't you longing for the day when art in church is more than a painting on the stage? Somebody's, please, please don't be offended. Uh, if you paint rainbows and geese and river, if, that, if that's your thing, I love that. I'm all over that. But aren't you longing for a group of people who are confident enough in their art that they begin to put on the best art gallery in the whole city and other artists begin to gather and say, there's something about what they're doing and designing that is awakening something in me that I never even imagined that I carried at my core. And artists need fathers and entrepreneurs need fathers. We've just begun at I should have mentioned earlier, we, we have the privilege of leading the most incredible community in the tiniest town imaginable. And uh, one of the things that we're reaching for at the moment is we're trying to buy a street. <laughs> so, pray for us. <laughs> we suddenly realize, what if the Bible actually meant repair streets? You know, what if that wasn't originally an inner healing text? (laughs) So we're trying to buy a street. It'll cost about 2.1 million. And uh, we're excited about that and we're hoping the government will provide. (laughs) That's one of the things we're doing. But the other thing that we're doing at the moment in our community is we have 10 businessmen who've committed 10,000 pounds because we're in the midst of an economic recession and people batten down the hatches and the gateway out of that is some entrepreneurial business. People who take risks but they don't have the resources to do that. So we've got this slush fund of £100,000 that we are encouraging young entrepreneurs to apply for. It's like Dragon's Den. Isn't that wonderful? And I am Duncan Bannantyne. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm out. That's... And what if we had fathers for business people? They began to lead them into life. I truly believe that the task of the church is to lead the city into life. 
that we haven't fulfilled our mandate until the earth has come alive. Until those who don't know Christ become alive in who he is. And so Jesus says, pray that the Father will send out workers into the harvest. Or we might pray tonight, fathers into the cities. And again, that word, send out, is a word that all the way through the scriptures occurs. God saw his people in oppression and misery, so he sent Moses. And in the times of the judges, he would send a judge after another judge. Then he sent his prophets. Then there came a man sent from God. His name was John. And then God so loved the world that he sent, he gave his only son. And he did not send him into the world to condemn the world, but he sent him into the world to bring life. And then we see in the book of Acts, hands being laid on church planters who get sent. And sending is so much more than going. It's being sent with authority, with clarity around the assignment, knowing that our task is to lead the earth into life. And so Jesus calls them and he gives them authority. And I don't want to take too long on this, but I do want for a moment just to speak on the authority that he's given us. As, as a movement, one of the things at the core of our movement, there were two incredible words that John Wimber received. One was all about mercy. And then a lady came to him one time and she said this, God wants to know when are you going to use your authority? And on, on the tape, John says, what authority? And they say, I don't know what it means. I just get the words. And I truly believe that one of the questions that God is asking our movement in these days is, when are you going to use your authority? Just as John never thought he had any authority and probably in that moment couldn't have imagined this, there is such authority that God is unleashing to lead our cities into life, to bring hope to every hurting heart. And authority is what the church uses to introduce spiritually disconnected people to their destinies. In my home, I don't know how it works in your home, my authority is specifically given for a period of time to help my girls embrace their unique design. It's a servant thing. You know, I, I, authority that Jesus gives us to bring life to our cities is not about taking our cities for God this is not dominion thinking or dominion theology. Authority is best seen and best exemplified on the cross in astonishing vulnerability, laying down our lives, washing the feet of our city, introducing hope, and using our authority to serve. And Jesus gives them authority, and he does so because he knows that lives don't change through activity, they change through authority. The change that we long to see won't happen by doing more. How many of you know already that we're not struggling because we're not doing enough. We're so busy. And yet Jesus has given us authority. And I always remind our guys at home, I say this, guys, we're not the only people in our community that have compassion. We partner with 130 different agencies in our community. And I always say, we're not the only ones that have compassion, but we're the only ones that have been given authority. There are other amazing, compassionate agencies in the city. But we have been given a particular unique authority to lead our community into life. And something incredible happens when the church shows up and begins to exercise their authority. A number of years ago, the, or a couple of years ago, the police came to us and uh, they were doing a, a drive with domestic violence where 
they wanted to help raise the profile of the issue in the area and to help those who had been victims of that. And so they came to our church and they asked us if we would do something uh, to help. And what they did is they did a big fun day for the kids and we, we did all the kids work at it. And it went super well. And a few weeks later, around Christmas time, they called their office again. They said, look, we, we're going to do this. Uh, beware of thieves. It's Christmas. You know, when they put the little thing through the door and said, it's the most vulnerable time of the year and make sure your valuables are safe. They said, could you tell us what time your services are? Because we'd like to put it on this little leaflet that we distribute. We thought, how cool is that when the police are your marketing department? <laughs> That's pretty neat, isn't it? And that, that would just been fine. We, we loved that. Well, a few months later, they called again. And they said, look, the marching season is about to begin. We've noticed over a period of time that when we show up, it simply inflames the tension. And this is their exact words. But we've noticed that when your church show up, the atmosphere changes. And so we wondered if you would come to the marches. Well, that gave us a bit of a problem because if you show up, are you protesting? Or participating? How do, we, how do we work that? Anyway, we showed up and we did what we could and it went super well. And, and the police are just some of our greatest partners in our community. Because we have the same goal. We're both trying to lead the city into life. They begin to trust us. And God has given us authority to bring life to the city. A couple more things. He says this, as you go proclaim this message, verse 7. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Are you standing because of that thing earlier? Thank you. I just want to try this for a moment. Somebody right in that little section there just get healed. Would you stand if you did? So you will have to stand and try that. And it could have just spilled over here. But go for it. Try that. Anyone trying? That's good trying. (laughs) It's the only way you know, right? Feels good to me. What happened to you? What did Jesus do? Wow, and how long have you had that? For about four months. Four months, wow. Now here's what I want to show you. Revelation comes to him. If revelation is in the room, release is always in the room. If there's revelation, there's release. Because where the presence is, the power is. But when God's revelation comes into a room, there's the release of the kingdom. And what happened there is that gentleman just sitting, how far behind him? Like this far? He gets revelation. And this gentleman just gets a release of healing. Nobody prays for him. Nobody goes near him. Just the kingdom of God. And the reason that happened, and it was very kind of the Lord to do it just as I moved to that point. <laughs> is the kingdom is near. And Jesus didn't just teach the kingdom of God. That would be good. But that wasn't his message. His message was this. The kingdom of God, and there's two little words that go on the end of it, is near 
The tangible, demonstrable activity of God is near. The dynamic rule and reign of God is advancing and transforming life after life, and it's near. Or in some of our Bibles, it might say, is at hand, which means it's that close. And did you know tonight that transformation is nearer than temptation? Did you know that transformation, that it's easier for God to transform me than it is for the enemy to tempt me? Hello? Oh, now it's getting testing. Can I take him again? <laughs> He's very close. Look. Okay, she just stood. She's just stood. Anyone in this area here, try it out. You may not do it quite as rigorously as what's your name? No. No. You may not do it quite, but try it out. If you have a condition, you're fairly close, just try it out. Unused to it. And you, and if you're near them, if there's somebody standing, go ahead and try it out. If you're near them, you have something wrong with your body, go ahead and try it out. What, ha- what happened? Trouble breathing? Wow. And this lady's standing right here? How far away? So cool. And does anyone stand near you? Yeah? Any change? And anywhere else? Anyone here? Some of you have had problems. You're right in this area here. You've had problems with your left eye. It's been causing you problems. And you're right near this gentleman right here. Try it out. Is it you? What's wrong with your left eye? Okay. A couple of you guys who are right there, if you would, just lay hands on them and See what the Lord does. It's because the kingdom is near and transformation is nearer than temptation. It is easier for the Lord to get me than it is for the enemy to get me. (laughs) Don't you believe that? That Jesus wants to mug my life more than the enemy. Still there? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. They're very close all the time, looking to ransack my heart with kingdom goodness. And Jesus preached, not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is near. And see, you can preach the kingdom, and you can do that, but there's, no, there's absolutely no obligation on you to demonstrate it until you announce that it's near. In the community, we can say the kingdom of God, dynamic reign of God is what this is all about. But until we actually demonstrate that, people can't enter it. And Jesus proclaims the kingdom is near. Verse 8, how are we? We doing okay? Yes? Barely? Okay. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. There's a shift coming in the church in these days from renewal to power on the streets. I don't mean healing in the streets. I mean power on the streets. Lots of crazy places. People doing the most unimaginable things in the most creative ways. Uh, We're saying in our place at the minute, the big is in the small. The big is in the small. We mean that in all sorts of areas, but particularly our kids' work. My favorite story this week, we're not allowed. We, We have a limit in our church. You're not allowed to tell a story uh, later than a week. So if it hasn't happened this week, you're not allowed to tell it. It's just how we work, which... Which means you're not allowed to go back to the glory days. You have to tell. That, <laughs> I want to know. Don't you want to know he's alive today? 
that he did something today, that he was moving in our city today. And my favorite story uh, this week is a little kid in our church who is a, her mother's friend is expecting, they've done a scan with the baby and it looks like there are problems with the baby's feet. And so what the kid did is they heard that story, they went into school the next day and in the middle, you know the way in school they have the little sections, right in their section in school, while the teacher is teaching, they say to their kids in their section, excuse me, my mother's friend's baby is sick. Can we just pray right now? The whole section just begins to have this little prayer meeting in the class. Our kids, I need to watch my heart. I would just brag on our kids all day long. But here's what they do. Recently, an ambulance, they were out during on a Saturday. An ambulance showed up in our town, in our town center. Six groups of kids ran towards the ambulance (laughs) to pray. They see the ambulance and they all run towards the ambulance to pray. Our kids from five years old, six years old, are giving prophetic words in school. When somebody falls in the playground with this little girl, Kimmy, she's six years old. One of her friends fell in the playground. There was all the screaming that kids do. And, and then all the other kids just gather to watch as they do. And so they all gathering, watching this little kid screaming. And Kimmy just moves them out of the way, walks over, lays hands on the person. She knows she has authority. She's six years old. But she knows what she carries. When she sees an ambulance in town, she's thinking, I have a solution. Six years old. I have a solution. I have authority. And you don't need to be old to be a father in the city. You be super young and releasing hope and honor and healing everywhere you go. And you see, the truth is, God isn't looking for whether we have the supernatural in our services, quite frankly, I don't think he bothers about that that much. Oh, you're standing. I'm so sorry. (laughs) How long have you been standing? How far back do I need to go? (laughs) (laughs) About three stories. Okay, we won't go there. Someone near this lady here has just been healed. If you'll stand up and try it out, I think you'll see you've just been healed. So would you give it a go? Or maybe not. But give it a go. Yes. So maybe at this point, if you see someone standing, just have a go and try out. Yeah, I mean if they're near you. So some of you guys who are there. Any change? Any different? Anyone around here? Would you like your delegate conference feedback? <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Where were we? This is why it's never safe to take risks, right? You lose your train of thought the whole time. Like, what are we doing? I don't think it's that important to the Father that we have the supernatural in our services, but it deeply matters that we have scattered servants who carry the supernatural everywhere they go. You know, I don't think he's too fast whether we do a ministry time. Forgive me. But I really don't think he's too fast in that. But I think it really matters to him that we carry the hope and the healing beyond the building into every area of society. I think that really matters to him. And if this can be a model for that, then that's wonderful. We have some folks in our church who, we don't, we don't tell them to do this. They get crazy ideas. Uh, but they recently went into A&E. 
pray for the sick. And not content to do that, they then went into the intensive care unit. Now that's awkward, isn't it? And they went in and they watched the kingdom of God come in those places. And they just have this framework that everywhere, every day, everyone can carry the kingdom and bring life to the city. I'm going to close in a few moments. Kingdom is at hand. Jesus has given us astonishing authority. And he wants us to share it with our community. Just to release it to those around us. And that. He says, freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. Verse 8. And I, I want to do this. I do this pretty much anywhere I go this weather. It's getting really costly. <laughs> going to up my honorariums from this point forward. <laughs> Sorry, internal joke between me and me. <laughs> okay. I have 10 pounds. Does anyone need 10 pounds? Yeah. Thank you. Does anyone have 10 pounds? Thank you. Does anyone need 10 pounds? Just come and get it. Does anyone need 10 pounds? Yep. That's the way I would do it for sure. <laughs> Does anyone have 20 pounds? <laughs> Thank you, John. Does anyone need 20 pounds? Just come and get it. That's wonderful. Thank you. Does anyone have 20 pounds? <laughs> oh, you just gave that. Stay there. Stay there. 20 pounds. Wow. Wow. Wow, 40 pounds. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet hands. Wow. 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 Guys, I've just laughed tonight. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy. It truly is better to give than to, to receive. All right, come on over. I don't know how much is here. But I think Jesus would like you to have this. Can I tell you? Yeah? Where's that? Do you have a mic? 
Do you have a Mac? Is the Mac there? I just said, my husband and I, well, my husband started doing the hub, and um, we can't afford for us both to do the exams. And I prayed that God would give me the money so I could do the exams. And so I said to Tim just now, if he's doing this gig that we were here for course to live for, I'm going to get some money towards my exams. So that's just paid for my hub exams. Thank you. Guys, we are the vineyard. That is what we do best. We give, we give, and you're running to give. And this girl came and she gave, and then, or she received, and then she gave with no thought that Jesus would just cover her hub exam, which is just the coolest thing, right? We should pray. What, what was your name? I didn't even catch her name. We should pray for Father, we can't imagine what you're doing in our life. But we thank you so much that you care so deeply that you looked and you saw Anna and you released from heaven resources through your people that would open up a future for her, that would transform those around her. And Father, we thank you for your grace that you've poured out upon us and we invite you to come and increase your presence now. Why don't we stand? Just wait in this presence for a moment. (coughs) Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're always here. Now, let your kingdom come near. I want you for a moment just to think about your city, your community. Think about its needs and its brokenness. And today, the Father has a gift for you, for your city. You won't be able to see it. You'll only see it when you give it away. But the gift that he gives you right now is authority to rewrite the story of your city. And it may not feel like much. You may not sense any goosebumps or any of that but as you begin to give that away as you begin to wash the feet of the city in vulnerability the father is going to pour out his spirit 
Because he said this. He made a promise a long time ago to a group of people. And he said this. If you'll wait, then I'll pour out my spirit upon you so that you can begin to be my witnesses. And it is always the outstretched life that gets the outpouring. And so, Father, now let your authority come on your people. Just begin to receive it. Authority for your city. Authority to turn around addiction in your city. Abuse in your city. Abandonment in your city. Authority to change the legacy for the elderly. Authority to write a whole new chapter for children in your community. Authority to work and engage with social services and cohesive partnerships that begin to transform the shape of the city. Authority to be known as the church in the city that adopts children. God, raise up vineyards that not only adopt churches, but adopt children. May we be known as a movement that adopts children. That in your city, they would say, you want to know who leads in the area of adoption? It's that group. They're a bit weird. They're a bit wacky. They're called the vineyard. But they lean in in love and they stoop in in humility. And there's something about them that we can't figure out, but it's changing us. And today, the Father wants to put on you authority for your city. There's some of you he's putting on authority to engage with prostitutes and to lead them out of slavery and into hope. The power of the Lord. For some of you, you can feel it's almost like a yoke coming upon you. You can feel like a weight resting on your shoulders. And he's saying, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you come with me, if you come with me, this authority to rewrite the story of the city. Ah, wow. I believe the Father, this will be borne out and tested in years to come. I believe the Father just gives a gift there in the silence of increased ethnic diversity at the core of our movement. You're going to begin to see authority that changes ethnicity in our churches. We had some folks visit our home about six months ago. My wife gave them a word. She said, in the west of your city... There's a group of Middle Eastern people. She named the street they were on. And it seemed like the wackiest word. She said, they're going to come to faith. I was chatting to the guy this week and he said, a couple of weeks ago, two Iranians knocked his door and said, how can we know about Jesus? From that part of the city now, there are 11, 11 Iranians that have come to faith from that part of the city. And they didn't have to strategize about ethnic diversity, which is okay to do that. I'm not against that. But authority came and changed the demographic of their church in a moment. I believe God is giving a gift to us in this moment for ethnic diversity. Because as white people, we don't know how to relate to Asians. But he does. His grace is coming on us for that. So Lord, we ask for more. It's the authority of the Lord resting in the room. There's a particular grace for the elderly tonight. Wow. And I hear also the Lord say simultaneously, if we will embrace the elderly, and again test it, if we'll embrace the elderly, he'll give us a heritage among the unborn. He'll give us breakthrough in that area. 